Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Coman, sitting once again in the heart of the Clempire, Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge, with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. Thank you for having me here. Well, <laughs> What's going on with you? Oh, not too much, Manny. It's, uh, it's been a somewhat quiet week here. Uh, we're in the, uh, the Festival of Lights, Hanukkah, right in the, right in the, in the right. thick of it. And you celebrate Hanukkah. I am celebrating Hanukkah. Yeah. In fact, I went out to the, uh, the community menorah lighting they had out there on the riverfront the other day. It was, uh, and was, it was that uh, safe for you? Oh, it was totally safe. Yeah, it was, it was packed. It was a lovely event. Had uh, a few of our Trouble Men guests uh, there as uh, the Klezmer All-Stars doing a uh, little trio, short, brief presentation. Had uh, recent guest Arnie Filco there. Uh, it was up on the dais. Uh, said some inspiring words about uh, you know, bringing light into the darkness. So it was a, it was a lovely event. Well, I'm happy for you. Um, uh, what's going on with you? Uh, not much. I'm just, uh, enjoying the cold weather. Okay. You know, I like the cold weather. I don't like the heat. Um, but, um, you know, other than that, uh, everything's going okay. Um, uh, we finally got rid of that cat that we had. It died finally. Oh, I was I'm very sorry. happy to hear about oh, that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can't stand that fucking cat, man. <laughs> well, and you know, it died about. We we, we put it down a, a few weeks ago, and you cannot believe how clean our house is now. Yeah, the house is so much cleaner. Yeah, your socks. You're walking around. There's no hair on your. There's socks. no hair anywhere, right, right, and right. I'm breathing better. Okay. You know, I'm breathing so much better, and there's not that stench of. Death and cat, so, uh, when, kitty when you, litter. If I may, when are you getting the next cat? Then? No, we're not. No, no, that's it. <laughs> See, that's your mistake. You think you have anything to say about it. No, 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 I do. I, I mean, are you a cat person? It's, no, it's, I hate animals to begin with. This is, okay. uh, this is my daughter's cat. When she was like six years old, she got a cat. And she, you know, said, I want a kitty. Because we had a dog. The dog died like right after Katrina. And my daughter was only a few years old, and then about when she turned six, she wanted a cat. She had fish and all that stuff, and we got yeah, a cat. Fish is, fish is not great. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, fish. Yeah. I like fish because they don't ask anything from me, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, but this cat, you know, was such an annoying motherfucking cat. And my daughter lost interest in the cat, like, after two years. Okay. You so know, and then the cat went blind. It, it, it had some weird thing, and it went blind. So it's been a blind cat like the last 10 years of its life. And its quality of life was just bullshit for like the last year or so. Get trapped in a corner and not be able to get out? No, it would just... Oh. It, it just well, uh, hopefully that was the ninth life. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, me. And that's it. <laughs> um, so finally, uh, my wife had had enough of trying to deal with it because she'd been dealing with the cat the last few years. So we put it down, and it was really good. No, no pets. Oh, so you guys agree. You don't need it. No, no, we don't need any pets. Okay. No, no fucking pets. No more. You know, I don't really dig pet owners. I don't dig pets. You know, I see those pet owners every morning walking their dogs and stuff. And for the most part, they look miserable. Listen, man, when you... And, and when you... 
and I didn't even introduce myself. That's okay. We're gonna <laughs> and I'm just talking we'll with you kids no, that's about right. cats, different cats. Right, sure. You know, when you when you walk down um, Park Avenue in New York or some really nice neighborhood and you see somebody come out of a, a doorman building that's like, you know, multi-million dollar a bed, one bedroom apartment in there. <laughs> yeah. And they got their dog. And that dog takes a shit, and that billionaire bends over, picks it up. <laughs> Who's the master? Right, yeah, well, right, that's right, it. right, right, exactly. <laughs> Equalizing sort of a well, that's enterprise. The old, that's I always it. feel like it's who's in charge. Well, here? that's the old Seinfeld bit. If Martians what were looking, yeah. well, if Martians came down to Earth and were looking at humans and the human pets, and it's like, who's in charge here? <laughs> That's the old Seinfeld bit. Right. It's like they're watching these fucking people pick up after this dog shits, you know? Anyway, well, but you know, it's, it, I, I remember, God damn, this was about maybe 10 years ago, I was, uh, it was my kid's birthday, and my wife decided to order some cake from some bakery in the quarter that I never heard about, but I had to go through the quarter on a Saturday morning and find this bakery and get this cake. I'll never forget this, man. I saw these two guys walking this dog, and the dog took a crap. They picked up the crap, but they also wiped the dog's ass. They wow. Had, they with, had a, with a doggy wipe, by the way. What's that? <laughs> with, with a, a doggy yeah. wipe. Not a, yeah. not a, not a, a, a baby wipe. Not no, a, no, a this doggy was, wipe. This was... Uh, it costs extra, you know? Oh, yeah. So, I Petco. mean, that's true. That's real love for your animal. That's love for your animal, I guess. Oh, it is. You know? It is. Yeah. I tried doing that to my pet goldfish once, and it didn't work out too Wiping well. your pet... No. Yeah, it didn't wasn't, work wasn't out too well. usually just the thing that's like hanging out yeah and it kind of drifts <laughs> and it drifts well, what are we talking about here huh? yeah, we're not yeah, eating yeah, dinner well it's not thank god right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. jeez so yeah so yeah the cat's gone and okay. uh, everyone's happy in the family all right, all right. Now, the funniest thing is though it's like my wife had to take it to the vet and you know to put it down and all that kind of stuff and uh, I don't know, uh, what happens is like a few days later, you get something in the mail saying, "From the, we're so sorry for your loss, and right. all this kind of stuff. And that went straight to the recycling bin, basically. Um, but didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't, uh, didn't have an offer for uh, cremation and the oh, price, no, of, they a, do that. price they, of an urn. And they the do sure, that. They sure. do that when you bring the, <laughs> the, the, the animal in. They do that. You want, yeah. My wife's like, no, no. See, here's the thing about my wife. I mean, she likes animals and stuff, but, and she said this to me, and I, I, I take this, I take this, you know, really to heart. And uh, she likes pets, and she doesn't mind having them, but she's not like some people who feel that they're part of the family. Well, what's her name? My wife. Yeah. What's your wife's name? Uh, Hilda. Hilda. Yeah. This is Jimmy. If you heard me say before that, uh, you, I, I apologize for saying that. <laughs> oh, you know, because I was assuming his wife was a, an animal person and he had nothing to say about it, only because of where I, my situation being that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think everybody, that all women, they want animals. No, know? no. I my wife does I'm totally my, my wrong. Wife yeah. does, my wife likes them a lot, but like other friends of hers and other people we know, they, people treat their pets like their family, where we never did. We on cue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, where'd you grow up, man? Did you ever see a dog come into the bar or the, or the I'm restaurant? I'm from Los Angeles. Did they have rest dogs in the restaurants? 
and had hot dogs in the restaurant. So <laughs> uh, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. No, I don't, you know, I, I try not to frequent bars that let animals in. My right. grandmother would freak if a dog came into the grocery store. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a New Orleans thing. People bring their their dogs in the bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Okay, I mean, it's okay. We they're better than people. In many I, cases, they I are. In many, many in cases. In most cases, yes, yes. you know. Yeah, but they never pay the tab. That's true. That's no, the problem that's true. with animals. But they don't pick up their own shit. No, that's no, it, no. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens with this dog here. Um, so, yeah, that's happened. Okay. And, uh, well, there's a, you know, they well, my to condolences, s- man. No, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck about that. I feel man. better for talking about it, man. Yeah, yeah, it's talking. Uh, well, about I, it's just yeah. something to talk about. Sure, sure. Uh, well, I, he I, asked me what was going on. Well, <laughs> I, I have a piece of news. This is something I, I haven't done in in memory. Is I went and got a library card yesterday. Really? Yeah, yeah. Do oh, you have a, li- a library card? I had. I think I got had As one a- when my kid was like uh, uh, of the age of reading we went and got okay. library cards together. well I, I haven't had one since i was a kid but i i went and got a library card because uh for the sole purpose of checking out the new uh sign uh, excuse me the new streisand audiobook my name is barbara that uh, they have available from the library it's like a thousand page book and it's read by barbara streisand herself so, God, uh, you're a cheap fuck. So, God so, damn. They couldn't get Mike Myers? Yeah. <laughs> so, I heard Danny DeVito was yeah. supposed to do it. Do the bar. Yeah. That would have been perfect. Yeah. So okay. There's actually a nine-week wait on the, on the, uh, the, the Streisand audio book. But uh, the Sly and the Family, the, the Sly Stone book was available yesterday. So in the meantime, I downloaded the Sly Stone book, which I started listening do to. Do you need a library card okay, to so, do that? Can't you so just now wait, now wait, let's, let's back up here because I'm so old yeah. that I don't understand when you say, the, I got a library card and then the word download. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> well, so I now. Mean, it's just my old self. Well, so, right, right, right. Well, no, that's, that's, uh, no, I mean, this is uh, the card really just a number, uh, an ID number? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an ID number. They and don't stamp it and write your name on it and every time is you there take a, a due book, date? Yeah, do for an audio book? Well, yeah, they, they do have a certain amount of time that oh, you're. It just runs, uh, that's it just it. stops. Turns yeah, off, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just done. turns off. But yeah, they're through the library. If you have a library card, it's all kind of, you can get on Canopy, you know, uh, a streaming oh, service this is like on a Costco card. And, and, uh, this is like Costco of books. <laughs> except it's free. Um, except anybody on there does probably, you know, I would hope that they're reading some historic books and some history. Well, you could do that which too. Which we seem to have forgot about. Well, I mean, there's a lot so of history in the Streisand talk oh, about her years in porno? I haven't gotten to it. Oh, yet. yeah, because you're on the waiting list. Nine, nine She's week a Brooklyn girl, list. right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Just yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. buy the audio book. Why wait nine weeks? Because, you know... Listen, I'm, you know what? For Hanukkah, I'm just going to buy it for you. Oh, How's no, that? no, no. How's you'll that, ruin, you cheap you'll fuck? you ruin the thing, You know, he's such a cheap fuck. He's got to get a library. You know, the Dewey Decimal System's the biggest scam in America since fucking recycling. I dig. You know, it was. It was. (laughs) No, I dig the fact that there's a a a card that you're a member of a library where you can do things on. But there's no. It's not like 
you know, when they find Peter Ustinov in, in Logan's Run, and they find him living out there in Washington yeah. by himself with all those books. A timely reference. Yeah. yeah. Logan's all those, Run. All those books. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Logan's Run. Amazing movie, right? Oh, no, I, I saw it at the theater. Yeah, Let's yeah, face yeah. it. If they showed that today, the young people would think it was truth, you yeah. know, and, and they're pretty close then. They'll believe anything. Because that way of getting, remember the way your hand, go, your hand goes, turns red? Right. And then starts... It's, you know, it's your time. It's yeah, time yeah. for you to go floating right. into the... I like the costumes in Logan's Run. Oh. I thought they were fabulous. Yeah, they're... Listen to Farrah yeah. Fawcett in Logan's yeah, Run. Yeah, she... That's How's really that? why we all went. And yeah. Then, yeah. And anyway, yeah. I totally digressed into the hell of Hollywood. Yeah. But, uh, but having a library with books is kind of not really cool today is it to go and well, it's have, unsanitary to check out a book they, someone they else have, had they or, have books no 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 we, yeah. we, we still do that it's just you know like uh, i really like the idea i was gonna buy the the streisand book and read it until i heard that she actually uh reads the audiobook and i thought well well no that's the cool uh, i gotta hear as barbara yeah, no. reading her book to me that's that's a dream come true you know i hear but barbara really? whispering She's in my ear kind of an annoying voice oh no i love me. her voice <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it is exactly what you think everyone has always. It's she speaks exactly like you would think. Yeah, she yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, well, anyway, <laughs> and what about Liza? Where's her book? Oh, never mind. I don't know. I don't know. I would. I would. I would for sure. Uh, I would have preferred, and I, and I. And it's time to. So you get back on us. Say a that, prayer for uh, Shane McGowan. Book. Shane McGowan. Now, if he had a book that he read, and we just lost him. Yes. Yeah. We yeah. spoke about that last week. Surprisingly, right? Did anybody think that he would ever die? I thought. I if he didn't die like at 20, that he'd be like Keith right, Richards. Right, right, yeah. anyway. I, I could not believe the outpouring uh, for him oh, in, back in Dublin and all that. Sure. I mean, it was yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah, you know? he's, a, he's a beloved character. Yeah, right? And already, though, yeah. see, the problem is him dying during the holiday season. I'm already sick of that fucking song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking oh, anyway, sick. Anyway. Yeah, I'm I sick told you it was going to go straight to the top of the charts well, yeah, again. Yeah, I know, but everyone's, you know, like all the, uh, all the uh, everyone's, you know, everyone's doing their version of it. Right. Oh, that now? Oh, you know, well. You know, uh, well, it's it's not a bad world. I when, think Barbara Streisand Sh- just did a version Shane McGowan <laughs> becomes the new Nat King Cole. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. So. Yeah. That's that's so. There you go. Yeah. It's not, not too bad. Yeah, James I mean, Brolin did his own version. Okay. It, Everybody's getting know. in on the act. Josh Brolin did his own version. <laughs> all right. Everyone's doing it. Right on. Jimmy you know, Breslin. Black oh, Flag just did their own version oh, of okay. it. Okay. Nice. You nice. know? So anyway, yeah. Uh, so you're ha- you're happy to get a book. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, an audio book with Barbara Streisand whispering yeah. in my ear. Well, I remember the last audio book I listened to was. Remember Madonna had that book she came out with. Uh, uh, sex. Sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Harvey Firestein did the audio. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, that was really good. I liked it's that Surprising, a lot. but yeah. uh, I can see how yeah, that would work. Harvey Firestein, and he did the first like 100 pages. <laughs> and then the what s- happened? And the second 100 pages, I think it was, uh, um, what's that guy? Nelson Mandela. Okay. Yeah, yeah him. Yeah, he I didn't did. think Not you were Charles Nelson Riley? No, no. No, no he was dead. Well, I don't know yeah, if he was Yeah, Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela did it. You know, he got paid right out of prison. You know, he's looking to make money. Needed a gig. He needed right, a gig. Right. Needed you know? a gig. He right. can't. No one's believing his fucking politics yeah. or anything. Yeah. Like and him that. and Madonna, but he was very big Madonna. Yeah. Big on Madonna. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. 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 Who was? Can you remember? Remember uh, who, Jelly Bean Benitez? Yeah. Was, sure. Yeah. yeah. He was Madonna's first lover and big the producer DJ. Yeah, of big producer of hip hop at the time. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I wonder what happened to Jelly Bean. I don't know. 
I think he's doing audio books for Dr. Seuss. You think Seuss. as you get okay. to a certain age, though, and your name is Jelly Bean, that it's yeah. a little weird? Well, yeah. you're playing kids' parties. <laughs> okay, Mr. Jelly Bean. Yeah. I felt that way, and God bless Pee Wee Herman. I loved him, but people were still calling him Pee Wee, you know, forever. Right. And it's, what would you call him, though? Yeah. Mr. Herman? No, no. Mr. Rubens? Uh, Mr. Mr. Rubens. Mr. P? Yeah. But Jelly Bean, the name Master Jelly Bean. Pee-wee. Master Pee-wee? Master That would be good. Sure. Master Pee-wee? All right. I don't uh, know. I'll write these guys a letter. I mean, by hand. Well, you, you know, <laughs> speaking of letters, and we're going to get into this on next week's uh, uh, show because we really want to dig into this, but we received a piece of correspondence, care of Snake and Jake's, for... Manny and Renee Trouble Men podcast this week, and it's full of all kinds of stuff. It's got a, a couple of, uh, of, of rounds of, of cash in there. It's got uh, a letter. It's got uh, some other uh, goodies. We'll, we'll, we'll pull it out when we can really dig into it next week. But I, I loved it. I showed up, and they said, uh, hey, you're Renee, right? I said, yeah. They said, uh, we got a piece of mail for you. It's like, man, I feel like fucking Bukowski here. I love it, you know, that I'm uh, that people are having uh, mail delivered to the bar they know I'm going to. Anyway. So. It is very Bukowski. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. All Where's right, his address? So well, we don't know. Some, something to look forward to. You well, can get to him through Jake's. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Should we uh, get our guest in here, man? Yeah, maybe? sure. Why All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, it's a fantastic guest. He's, uh, he's a wonderful blues, jazz, rock and roll, guitar and keyboard player, vocalist, record producer, arranger, composer. He uh, spent 26 years as the guitar player, band leader of uh, Conan O'Brien's various shows, the, uh, the Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien, uh, uh, the, the, uh, Conan. The, the TBS Conan <laughs> show. Uh, he's played with all kind of uh, artists, fantastic, uh, Levon Helm, Johnny Johnson, uh, Al Cooper, Keith Richards. Elvis Costello, Laura Nero, I want to get into that, John Sebastian, all kind of people. Phoebe Snow is currently playing with Canned Heat with our good friend Dale Spaulding. Yeah, Dale Spaulding. He's, uh, he's in town working on a record here in New Orleans. Uh, uh, also has a, an extensive film career as a music supervisor and, and, and orchestrator. We're going to get into all that, but without further ado, the great Mr. Jimmy Vivino. Welcome, Jimmy. Hey, you kicked that other guy out that was here before, right? Jimmy V. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, how you doing? I know. Hi. Welcome. Thrilled man. to have you, man. Well, um, uh, it's a thrill to be here, and I'm, everything worked out today. You know, we got nice. out of there on time. Yeah, you had uh, you had a, a, a recording schedule that yeah. you were trying to work around, uh, and as it turns out, the session must have gone well because it went really well. Y'all finished early. We got ten early. tracks in three days. Wow, outstanding. Today we were for, uh, today on day four. We were just. Uh, Doing some background vocals, me and oh. Ivan Neville and Phil Colombato, whose oh, cool. project it is. Oh, cool! And uh, and Zig Ziggy came by. Oh, wow! Ziggy just dropped in to and say this hey. was for Canned Heat. No, no, no. Oh. This was Phil Colombato's record, Louisiana oh. Love Act. Oh, okay. It's his band. You know that there's a sign somewhere on Bourbon Street that says that. Louisiana sex acts or something. Oh, okay. Like so All he right. took that name and his punkiness. Right. Uh -huh. Anyway, we're, and we're cutting fisted in the ass. That's the love act. Well, probably. maybe that might be. There's Is all kinds of stuff, but uh, okay. if you're you know, really in love, I yeah. think you could pretty much make anything up you want for that. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it's called. Uh, it's he's Phil Colombato, and uh, he's a cat I know that lives in Missouri. He's got a chicken farm. Oh, you know, okay. and he's a great songwriter and singer and harmonica player and. Uh, and uh, I said, Phil, 
he's, why are you bringing musicians to New Orleans? Well, me and Tony, we're coming from and Phil, we're coming from L.A. and the great Pete Sears, a bass player, mm, you know, right. from forever with uh, Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, uh-huh. and hundred bands, Jefferson uh, Davis, bass. yeah, yeah, all kinds of stuff, you know, Pete, right? And uh, why are we? You got New Orleans, the best musicians in the world. <laughs> why? He goes, well, I thought you guys needed to get some of that. See if you could pick pick up on the spirit, you know. Okay. And, uh, and we came down. The first thing I did was tell the own. We better get Ivan in here too. So because Ivan Neville's a good friend of mine. Uh, he, he plays brings, great, man. He brings he sings always great. brings a hundred percent to yeah. every project. He's so cool, man. <laughs> plays the right stuff. Sings. He puts every anything he does. It's like it's his own record. So. Yep. Well, he sort of really just upped the ante for all the musicians, and we just had a great time. We got nice. 10 tracks, so we're happy. And then me and Dale are doing, and, and Rod Hodges, your buddy, right. have been doing these trio dates. Oh, know? yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Mid-City Trio. Uh-huh, okay, <laughs> nice, so, nice. So I, uh, and we're doing, I guess we're at Strithers on Friday at 5 o'clock down here. You right, know? right, right. That's the last gig is a 5 to 8, which a guy my age loves. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, when I stopped doing that, uh, the show, and I still worked on Conan's podcast, doing music and helping out here mm-hmm. and there. That's the one, what's it called? He Needs a Friend. Yeah, Conan O'Brien yeah. Needs a Friend, which is a pretty good podcast, I think. Anyway, uh, I was my idea was, well, I'm just going to retire and play music now. Uh-huh. now. I don't golf and I don't do any of that crap. You know? uh-huh. so, um, so COVID hit then. So, okay. like, for three years, I'm sitting home going, ah, you know, I can't wait to get out and play again. So that's, the minute I got out, my my friend Rick Reed was hanging with me and uh, and, and said, can't he, Larry had died, I knew Larry Taylor. He uh-huh. had passed away, and they were maybe looking to move Rick onto bass and, like, get another guitar player. And um, so I started doing that, and I said, boy... This band is this is a great band to play in, man. Fido, because yeah. Fido Della Parra is still there, nice, along with Dale and Rick Reed and myself. Mm-hmm. So he's the last surviving member, and we cut an album that's coming out, final vinyl that's coming out, cool this spring also. Um, but so that was going to be sort of my little retirement. Can't he playing with whatever other bands I could wrestle up. Me and Sebastian still do our duos, you know. And uh, John Sebastian, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, we're old buddies, and we, we run around he's like... He's still alive, John? Well, yeah. Sure. He's, yeah, he's just He 80. did Welcome Back Cotter, right? Well, that was the, sort of the one of the last things in his stardom yeah. after being the Love and Spoonful, you know. And, right. And, yeah. uh, and, and Woodstock and all that, and then writing the third, the third part of his career was writing those TV themes and mm-hmm. stuff, you know. And uh, that was a, f- a fantastic, you know, TV theme. If you think about it, oh, it's yeah. one of the most... I mean, that we remember TV themes, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that's, that's a classic. That's why well, I, get- I heard uh, I heard his first thing uh, that he was offered was for a show called Welcome Back Hitler. <laughs> and he refused to do it. That okay, might that sell. Nice. That yeah, might nice. sell now. Yeah, that yeah, might yeah, sell yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What happens hey, is everything yeah. old is everything. New again. Everything right, that man. might seem incre- incredibly fucking crazy comes around to being normal. Yeah, we're right. in that. I'm flux. glad he refused oh, yeah. to oh, write yeah. that song. I'm yeah, yeah. Glad he you got to have principles. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Jimmy, can we go back a little bit and, uh, and talk about your uh, your your background, get into the childhood trauma right. phase of this? So, okay. uh, well, tell us about uh, uh, growing up. Where'd you grow up? Well, 
I was born in Patterson, New Jersey. Patterson, New Jersey, like Lou Costello, who's our, our t- local hero. Nice. There's a and, statue uh, of him. There, I was born, there? though I was the only f- of the three brothers, my brother Floyd being the oldest, who was, uh, you know, four years older than me. My brother Jerry, who's a year older than me. And, and then me. And uh, so I was born in the Jewish hospital. Oh, okay. In the Barnard Hospital. Because this is a great... I don't tell this story much at all, but I feel like you guys... I don't know you... Yeah, yeah. Anyway... It's the time for it. This is the time to tell this story. My my father, who got knocked around like crazy by the nuns when he was a kid. Oh, it just, okay. you know... Yeah. In those, if growing up in the 20s and 30, 30s or the early 30s, uh, it was brutal. Yeah. You know, it was hands-on. Hands-on in, in yeah, Catholic horrible. school. My father hated that. But then when we... When we when it was time for me to be born in the uh, in the Catholic hospital, my uh, my father was taken aside and said, "Well, you know, your wife is is pretty bad. She she already had two cesareans, and this would be the third cesarean. And uh, we don't think we don't think your wife is uh, is going to make it." And uh, and he said, "Well, what?" He says, "Well, what are the choices?" He says, "Well." If we take the baby, your wife would make it. You'd have your wife and your two infants at home, you know, your two young kids at home. But the church considers it abortion if we take your son mm. or your, your child. They didn't know what I was. Right. Or, right. But the church's law was that at all costs, you know, at all costs, the, the baby lives. Right. So... Because they need that baby in a few years well, to rape, well, right? I, well, you know, listen, I don't know about that. I thought that all went by in the Crusades. Yeah. But no. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. no it's, it's, it's still it's, going it's, on uh, today. Oh, yeah. In, in New Orleans now, there's, there's new revelations every day. But anyway, yeah, but, back but to anyway, your story. But anyway, my story was that my father went for a consultation. The Jewish doctor said to him, uh, uh, take him over to Barnard. And with 50-50 chance, if worse comes to worse, your wife lives. You know, we let the baby die, but the Catholic Church wouldn't let me die. Thank you, <laughs> but they were going to take my mother, uh, and we're both here. Still, nice, you know. it all worked My out. mother's gone now, but we both lived. You know, but there was right. tons of guilt, probably. So then right? we became Episcopalians. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Screw the Latin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway, uh, you know, that's that's it. I don't want to get into it now, but uh, so you're in New Jersey. I'm in Jersey. And you're I'm born going to in, what Catholic school? No, I didn't know. Never. Public See, schools. That's how, yeah. Public school. Uh, we moved around a lot. My father was my father was a brilliant trumpet player, but he but was he owed born, people money. So he was born he into move. construction. Oh, okay. Italians oh, born oh, into construction. Yeah. Oh, okay, and they tough. came over. He came over uh, somewhere around 1933 on the bottom of a ship steerage. You know, yeah. coming over here to Ellis Island. From, oh, he was a first generation American. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from uh, what part of Italy? From Ca- uh, Calabria. Oh, okay. Catanzaro, then uh, from uh, Sant'Andrea. Nice. Calabria. My mother's uh, our people are civilized. They're from uh, they're from Naples. Okay. <laughs> so, and then my father's people were considered the uh, sort of the 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 Ozarks or the you know uh, yeah of Italy <laughs> where they yeah. lived. Yeah, okay. yeah. But uh, but my 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 grandmother was uh, you know from royalty there. But since she was a woman, she couldn't inherit anything. Ah, uh, uh. you know. So my grandmother could have inherited the castles and land, and if she was a guy. Yeah. In Italy, but but and her brother was just the irony. Her brother was a priest. He he 
got everything and gave it to the church. Sure, sure. Well, that's, that's why they don't let priests marry, just for that oh, exact reason. Oh, Jesus. So a musical family? Your yeah, father my father was a great trumpet player, was I know my your, point. I know your brother Jerry's a great saxophone player as well. But he wasn't allowed to become a musician because he was in a family of carpenters. So okay. it's like, okay. But still didn't take the talent away from him. And my brother Jerry is just natural, great musician. And my brother Floyd, vaudeville. You know, he had uh-huh. a, he had a, you know he had a pretty successful cable TV show up in New York. All the punk bands were on it. You know, nice. the Uncle Floyd show. And, right. And um, I, I met a lot of people through there. So coming through, we were uh, we had a dance team in 1964. Let me see. That was our first. The Vivino brothers were oh really uh, dancing at the World's Fair at the New Jersey Pavilion. Wait 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 wait. 64. Yeah. In How 64. old are you? Um, I was born in 55. Oh, so. okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm you're nine. On the Sullivan Show? I'm nine then. No, okay. no, but we did Tony Grant's Cavalcade of Stars oh, in Atlantic oh, City. Oh, <laughs> nice. Nice. So that's what we were into show business. And the music, my father had jazz, New Orleans, mostly uh, trumpet players mm-hmm. playing Sinatra, all that. Right. All that. All the regular Ella Fitzgerald and also Sarah Vaughan and you know, loved jazz singers, my father did, and trumpet players. All the all the rock and roll I heard was from Dion, and uh, you know, from okay. Italian rock and roll groups at right, the time. Right. You know, my aunt, my mother's kid sister lived with us, and she was sixteen, and she was playing Dion, and uh, you know, all that. And you actually Elvis. made a, a record, produced oh, a record a, on Dion. Dion is huh? a dear friend of mine. He's one of my closest friends. What a great singer, actually, man. Yeah, still a great singer. Yeah, but you know, I didn't He's know when I was still? when I was nine, I would ever know him. But uh, yeah, he's yeah. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. just finished a new album. Man. Dion with the ladies. It's called I'm Still Alive. That's right. Dig it. <laughs> Don't dig it. I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still alive. Yes, I'm still here. So, yeah, we did that. And then... Uh, you start you know, playing music? I, start, I was a trumpet player. Oh, yeah. okay. So, um, and I started um, at nine to play trumpet. And then, by the, and then, of course, rock and roll hits. You know, you see the Beatles... And then you don't see trumpets anymore. Right. <laughs> All you see is guitars, man. Yeah. You know, you don't... Herb Alpert, yeah, something like that. But right. That's not like a guitar. And uh, so I'm still playing the trumpet, but I'm starting to mess around with the guitar in the basement. My uncle left there. And, uh, and, the, key, and the organ and piano still uh, doing that, too. Uh, and I always kept my trumpet thing happening right through high school. And I was like... Doing arrangements for big band already and, and, and orchestra and stuff in high school. Now, were you studying with somebody to, to learn arranging? No, my teachers at school gave me books. Okay. And they gave me a work-study program, which you don't, is unheard of now, where they, they said, okay, this kid is interested in music. And they, we had government grants then mm-hmm. from the, the government for music and in right. the schools, which is no more. Right. And uh, we had a work-study program instilled. Where you get to have a thing if you want to work on a, a writing a piece for orchestra or, you know, do something artistic, even in science, whatever, you could concentrate. They could kind of combine your workload, bring your workload down and have you get free time to do that, you know. So, so I, mine was music. So you came out of high school being able to write for yeah. any size group? Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah, and I knew all the practical range of the instruments and, uh, you know, and the all the notation and all the clefs and all the, just like I did a lot of takedowns back then. I used to do, take those Ray Charles records mm-hmm. and those were beautiful the way Hank Crawford had voiced four horns and a spread that's just like a guitar voicing almost. Right. 
you know, with the bait, like, you know, it had the, the root, the seven, the third, and the, th- and the 13, only a four voice mm-hmm. that mo- that just rocks back and forth. And, and so you learn a lot about getting inside this arranging, uh, doing uh, takedowns as a trumpet player and mm-hmm. having some piano knowledge. And, uh, and all my bands then had at least three horns for my, all through high school. And, uh, and what kind of bands were you? Those, the, we were like, playing soul. We had soul bands. Italians played soul music. Okay. You know? We had Sam and Dave songs. We had, of course, we were into the Rascals. We were into uh, pretty much Sly, all that stuff, you know, coming up. Uh, we had, at the same time we were doing that, there were bands doing Led Zeppelin and Grand Funk Railroad, you know, mm-hmm. kid local bands. And we were always like, it was like about soul music for us. Okay. You know? uh, and that. You know, knock on wood, that shit. That was right, right. That was the stuff. Oh, that, stack that, that stuff. We, yeah, yeah, stacks, yeah. yeah, because Otis had this like big. All of a sudden, everybody discovered Otis Redding after, you know, after Monterey, mm-hmm. and then he died soon after that. Right. You know, he didn't live to see his biggest hit. No, Dock no. of the Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he wasn't alive when that when that was released. So you know, I I I, I did a recording one time with uh, with. Uh, the only surviving member of, of the plane crash it was the oh. trumpet player, um, and his name. The bar case, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The trumpet player is the only guy that survived the uh, the uh, that plane crash. He's still oh. know, he's he's passed by now, but uh, but yeah, he's, he lived in Memphis for for many years. Well, so you're you're playing these. This is while you're in high school. You get out of yeah, high we, school. Well, you know, we used to. Ha- you remember. We didn't have these phones, you know. <laughs> we didn't have video sure. games. There were kids playing outside after school, and we were in the basement playing music. And um, that was our... That's what we couldn't wait to get to, was the instruments in somebody's basement, usually the drummers. And bands all over town calling everybody every weekend, hey, can I borrow your amp? You know, <laughs> you know, are you working? Can we borrow your amp? You get a couple of Fender basements with a, a you know, piggyback basements right. and make a PA with a, sure. a five input sure mixer, uh-huh. you know, and you put it on the basement head and you put one, two, 12 here and there's your PA, right? You know, to borrow stuff all over town. So music was, uh, it was everywhere. We had battles, battle the bands in one town, you'd have like 10 bands, you know. And that, it, it, that was in Glenrock, New Jersey, where there were bands everywhere. Is that South Jersey or North no? That's Bergen County. That's in okay. right next to Patterson. Because uh, I remember the only dungeons I remember as a kid were my uncle's rape dungeons. Okay, <laughs> that's the only ones I remember. But where, where were those? Those were in Los Angeles. Oh well, that's different. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's I'm, different. That's where yeah. yeah. it can so, get dark there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what, what were I like- had a train set though. Okay. In my basement, which everyone thought was Gomez weird. Adams. Yeah, everyone thought that was weird, but they didn't think his rape dungeon was weird. Oh, well, I don't yeah. know. Well, what was it nicely get? painted? Yeah, well. Yeah, times were different. I, I, yeah. Was it gayly painted with flowers and it things? It was or? gayly something, uh, I'll tell you that. Oh, my God. So, uh, so Jimmy. I'm wh- getting this, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm receiving 100%. <laughs> yeah. All I right. can tell. I'm getting Your it. eyes are wide open. Ooh. <laughs> they are now. <laughs> so, uh, at what point do you make a transition to to a professional musician kind of status? When do you? Start well, I think out? I'm I think I'm twelve, and okay. oh. and the band. This is my consider. We we, we had a, a gig and at a girl's birthday party, we knew three songs, mm-hmm. and they paid us twelve dollars. Oh, sweet! And we got four dollars each. There were three three of us. Uh-huh. Yeah, but all the punch you could drink. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, and we played those three songs about ten times. Sure, you got good. I think at they them. were they were probably Gloria, uh, Classic. probably get, like Get Off My Cloud or something. And right. now you and got laid though because your first gig with the girl. Well, once you did the Stone song. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But it didn't the them. They didn't understand who them were. Oh, so they, <laughs> you know, that was Van Morrison's sure, band, and right. and they nobody knew who them were. They them wasn't a today. Thing that, that no, they, today they, they would know who them are. Right, right. But them, they didn't know they were. Sure, <laughs> them. Are he or she, or it? No. Right, Or right, who, right. what, and why? Shh. Well, so so, <laughs> so 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 you're right. So, <laughs> oh boy, what a world! Huh? I mean, is anyone listening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're out there. I doubt. There. I doubt they're it very there. much. <laughs> Just that's why I say anything I want to. So Jimmy, you, you you graduate from high school. You wind up going to college, or you just no, 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 no. I, I we play, I played music through high school. Once in a while, my father would would take me to the, on the job. Okay, to like haul sheetrock or cement bags. <laughs> Or clean up yeah. the worst job ever at the end of the day. Right. Go on the roof, you know, when it's hot, you know, you go up there and nail some shingles in when it, you know, the worst time of day. Oh, you, oh, did you practice your instrument? Because <laughs> you can do this anytime you want. It was passive right. aggressive, bit yeah. love, okay. tough love. Right. It was like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, fuck. And he's like, don't worry if you don't if you don't really want to do music. I'm not saying he would be like he's very much one of those guys. Uh -huh. I'm not saying, but you could always do this. Okay, you know, and it was kind of a you know. You went back in the woods. Ghost yet. of the yeah, yeah. Christmas come. Right, right, right. <laughs> Are Christmas these things future. that must happen or may happen? Right. So, so, uh, so I was working and I would be, I went and I went to college for one semester, and uh, and I went and. I'm in the music class, and they give me the same book that one of my teachers in high school had given me that I had been through top to bottom. Yeah. And I and and they said, "Well, this is the first semester." I said, "Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not doing this." Right. You already know so, this book. And I found a drummer and an organ. And I was an organ player then. Mm -hmm. I was playing B3 then. Mm -hmm. And I found a drummer, and I got my brother's sax player, and we found a guitar player, and we just went. I just quit. And we started playing. We would play seven nights a week in these lounges in New Jersey. Uh huh. You know these joints, and and uh, sometimes we sit again. Or all music. Well, now we're doing. Now we got a mixture of, of sort of light jazz and the soul jazz and the Cannibal Adderley mm -hmm. kind of thing. You know, and uh, and loungy. You know, Italian tenor shit. You know, right. my brother's doing Louis Prima. I was going to say, because you know, your brother has a kind of Sam Butera yeah. sound to it. Yeah, he's got, yeah. he's got yeah, that I would tenor love sound. love Louis Prima. You know, right. all, all of us did. Right. And, you know, and we're actually learning the ropes, as you say. We're, mm -hmm. we're learning the ropes. And, yes, there were strippers and all that, man. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm waiting for the good stuff. Magicians, people like that. With sh right. Shysters of all yeah. kind come into exactly. these lounges. Hey, I'm a magician, you know. <laughs> you guys are, can I come up and do a few, like, a few tricks? When you guys back me up, have the drummer do some hits, you know. Right. You met these types in these bars that you can never... This is a, this is the real America, man. Yeah. And you know, hey, can I come up and sing? And sometimes it would be, yeah. What's your name? Oh, uh, uh, you know, m my name is uh, some Rudy Moore, somebody. I said, what from the? You mean from the? You mean from the Drifters? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Moore from the. Yeah. Oh. Come up and sing. He comes up and he's singing under the boardwalk, like beautiful, you know. Yeah. 
the cats you run into like in a bar sometimes in New Jersey in, in certain areas where the doo-wop guys, a lot of those guys were only, you know, 20 years, 20 years or so out of, you know, their, re their record was gone. Mm -hmm. And they were doing other things. And they'd be around in the bars, come and sit, and they'd still love to sing. The guys would come up and sing, and we had all these Sinatra impersonators in every right. town, you know. And so, yeah, it was, it was that coming through Jersey, working all the time. Then we put a rock band together, rolling up and down the coast, you know, playing all the joints in New Jersey. All the way down to Asbury Park to the Stone Pony, all the way down to places. And I spoke to Johnny uh, and Bruce about this in the past, saying, yeah, you guys, yeah, you guys, I remember your bands, uh, Van Zant would say, you guys would play like on a Friday or Saturday night because you guys, you guys were dance bands. You were uh -huh. playing all the dance music. We're trying to play our songs here. Uh -huh. Me and Johnny, and I write all these songs, and Bruce, and they're, they're like giving us a Tuesday night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, look how it turned out for you, and look how it turned out for yeah. me. <laughs> uh, turned out good Did for you both see him all, on yeah. 60 Minutes a few weeks and, ago? Uh, who, Steven? Or, yeah. Yeah, he's brilliant, man. Oh, <laughs> man, the guy is hilarious. Yeah, and I would say, like, well, yeah, I, I, I made the shortbread, you know? That, yeah. You know, yeah, I was making, you guys in were making run, nothing. Yeah, in, in the, the long, long run, run, he did all right. You guys were going for your art. You know, yeah. and I was always, and that's part of my whole thing is that I always was happy just to be a worker, you know? Yeah. And if I, so when my brother Floyd had the Uncle Floyd show and we started doing it live at the bottom line, it was a vaudeville show and his, his friends like Soupy Sales would be out there and all these old mm. vaudeville comedians nice. that, that Joey Ross that were still alive. Right, right. These guys were still around Mickey. He knew Mickey Deems. He knew the Mac and Meyer guys. He you know, uh, all kinds of and choreo, burlesque queen wow. would show up, and and then David Johansson with the Dolls was a huge fan, as uh -huh. was David Bowie of Floyd's, wow. as was John Lennon, as was uh, all the Ramones were on the show all the time, and that's where I met all those guys, man, and uh, so so Floyd was a cult figure kind of, and I played the bottom line with him. And then Alan Pepper noticed I was leading the band really good, and he said, hey, you want to work on some stuff here? Like, if I need a band, come in and back up some people, you know. And um, So is that how you wound up doing the Laura Nero well, record? Well, well, I, well I, because I had uh, worked with Alan at the bottom line and then had worked on a show called Leader of the Pack, Ellie Greenwich and Jeff Barry oh, okay. musical with Paul Schaefer, and, and I were, like, in the music department of that show. So I started, Paul was kind of mentoring me through, through cool. my young times, right. and he had been there for a while, and so we did a lot of things together where we worked together on him, and cause, so he could get me off and doing something else. So that was uh, where I started getting my foot in the door down there, and then hanging out at a bar, of course, called JP's Uptown, mm. Jimmy Pullis. That's where Al Cooper hung out, that's where... Harry Nilsson hung out, Dave Mason, all the people I met up then, and that's where I met Al, started working with Al. Al Cooper, yes. At that time, and then at the same time with Phoebe Snow, uh, we were sharing like the band, two different bands. Uh, so then, and I had worked with Darlene Love and Ronnie Spector and all of those, and, done, oh, and done those, all of that had, had gone by, and... Uh, well, Jimmy, we're right on the precipice of all the stuff I, I want to really get into, but uh, Manny, it seems like about that time, huh? Yeah, we, we take a break halfway through the show. Commercials. To, uh, yeah, uh, yeah uh, to get a 
a refill, basically. All right. And uh, we'll be, the nation knows what to do, so we'll be right back. Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coleman. Back yes, with our guest, Mr. Jimmy Vivino. Jimmy V. Now, uh, Jimmy, I know you're, you you haven't gotten to listen to the podcast, but I will tell you that we... Uh, it's not worth listening to. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you that. But, uh, but uh, I will tell you that we're on kind of a listener-supported uh, model. We record these podcasts week in and week out. And uh, we have certain uh, patrons. We have a Patreon page. We have a handful of patrons who are supporting us week in and week out. We also have a uh, Venmo link and a PayPal link in the, the show notes of every show. And uh, we have uh, uh, some periodic supporters. And this week we had uh, several supporters. We had, oh. uh, let's see, uh, well, maybe only one. Maybe, Ray uh, Nagin? Yeah, no, no, not, not him. Um, but uh, no, we had actually this week we had uh, 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 David Nealon. Uh, David Nealon is the guy that sent us the uh, letter to Snake and Jake's bar. So, you know, that's, oh. that's available also if you want to go real old school. Do you have this letter? I, I have it at home. We're going to get into it next show because I think next show it may just be you and me. And we're going to really have a, a year-end wrap-up show and uh, dig into this letter. And we'll, we'll have time to, uh, to really uh, uh, analyze this thing. So uh, you could be like David Nealon. What do you mean analyze this letter? So it's like a death threat? It's well, like I don't know. We'll see. Too. Are, the redact- like are the redacted like, parts? Oh, well, <laughs> is it like Kaczynski's <laughs> manifesto? <laughs> the redacted red and black line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right, 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 right. Is it newspaper <laughs> clipping? <laughs> oh, no. Well, here, I was wrong. In fact, we have, no, we have two other supporters. Uh, shout out to uh, Kevin Todd, a longtime oh, listener and, 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 and periodic supporter. Thank you, I never Kevin. trust anyone with two first names. Right, right. And. Uh, also, Nick Woods. Uh, shout out to Nick Woods. Uh, they're they're all supporting the podcast and, and listening and uh, buying us a round of cocktails and helping oh. to uh, defray our operating costs. So we do appreciate that. I, I did recently uh, uh, repost the Trouble Men podcast T-shirt link. 
And apparently uh, there was a broken link for some shows going back several times. I'll fix all those. If anybody ran into a broken link, those will be corrected. But if you go to the most recent shows, it will be an operative link. And uh, I'm not going to say that that you will get your shirt in time for uh, uh, Christmas, but you will get your shirt. So, you know, you could... Send it to just give the person a card with a little picture of the, of the shirt that they're going to get. Um, beyond that, uh, follow us on social media uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. Give us five stars, helps us out a lot, costs you nothing. So, back to our guest, the great Mr. Jimmy Vivino. So, Jimmy, you were starting to tell us how you were working at the uh, the bottom line. Yeah, You're getting working, recognized. Working the bottom line. Uh, uh, started working with Phoebe Snow and Al Cooper and all the other ladies at the time uh, that I had mentioned before, Darlene and Ronnie, you know. What, what talents, uh, man. It's like one after another, one superstar and after there, another. And then, I, you know, start, I had a relationship. Are you banging with, these chicks, too, at the same time? No. So, uh, no, I know I wasn't really. It, yeah, it, all of us were okay, in our hearts. Uh, yeah, I when, saw your facial When expression. we were kids, we were, yeah. I'll tell you that. Sure, right. sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, we can drink. I can mean, we? nothing yeah. like Ronnie Spector's voice. It's just like, forget it, yes, you know? Yes. But Laura yeah. Nero. My voice. Then Laura Nero came too. a little a little later, Laura came, came by. I was. Um, I loved floundering a little bit, but I was working on these big shows with, with Bowser from Sha Na Na down in Atlantic City. Now, sometimes I will point out that uh, Sha Na Na, one of the greatest bands yeah. to appear at Woodstock. Yes, and I have a lot of good friends, you know, from Sha Na Na. And, uh, and so, so Mr. Bauman called and said, hey, uh, and he really does talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this thing in Atlantic City. We got like Benny King and, and, and uh, you, know, uh, you know, Del Shannon coming. And we nice. got, you know, all these. I need the NMD. I need you to come down to Atlantic City here. We've got great musicians you know, I got the, I got the, you know, this kid, that kid, you know, and, and they were, there's some older guys. I said, good, let's, I'll come and do it. So I started working on those Bowser's rock and roll shows down there because, oh, cool. man, you know, you work with, I would work with Benny King a lot in New York and, and some other people that would come through. Uh, but to me, singing, playing with Del Shannon was like just one before he tragically took himself. He would have been a Wilbury. Yeah, if he was, and I always have that hold that standard. Guys that could could have been a Wilbur, uh-huh. you know. Dion could have been a Wilbury easily, for sure. Easily, you know. And you traveling Wilburys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. It's a, it's a high standard of forgotten rock and roll guys because uh-huh. I think that Roy, you know, was kind of forgotten at that time. Yeah, you know, until they until they brought Roy Orbison back through the Wilburys right. and that great solo album. It's kind of becoming. So was George to me. He was a forgotten. But guy but too. but George understood that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, there was a great. There's a great Wilbury story that I heard that uh, Bob Dylan said to George at one time. You know, I'm I'm considered a good songwriter, and I decide what I want to do. I sing what, the way I want to sing and what I want to sing. I don't have to account to anybody. How did you guys decide having three really good songwriters in one band? You know. He asked, he's asking George this, you know, what songs you were going to do? And, and George said, well, we always knew that John's were going to be better. <laughs> he said yeah, that. Okay. And then from there, it worked its way down wow. to him. You know, well, even, Paul would, even Paul would admit that John, what's John got was, 
yeah. going to drive him home to create something, probably. Right. You right. know, I think the catalyst of the Beatles was John. The yes. talent is spread throughout it. You know, yeah. but I think he, there always has to be a big brother you're looking up to. You know, I think that Paul, even one time, and I did, this has got, you know, I'm shooting in and out here, mm-hmm. but yeah. I was doing a, uh, one of those uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame in uh, Manhattan, and uh, I put a band, a really good band together, and being honored, if I can remember everybody that night, Benny King was the biggest honoree of the night. So Benny was there, but so was James Brown. And so was Bobby Womack. And so was Brian Wilson. And so was Paul McCartney. And so was Billy Joel. And so was James Taylor. And so was Paul Simon. They were all there. So was Scatman Crothers. He he couldn't make it. I think he was filming uh, Uh, in the snow somewhere. Shining, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) Hey, so anyway, all those people are there. And Hal David, who's the head of the Songwriters Hall of Fame, hates all of them. Yeah. You know? Uh, (laughs) He would get off. I heard him say, I heard him like mumbling something about rock and roll as he was shaking his head, you know, (laughs) that night, that night. But anyway, so we're going to decide we're going to close the night with Stand By Me, of course. Big, a big sing-along. Everybody's going to come up, and everybody's up there. And it comes time for Paul to sing his verse. Yeah. And he turns around and looks at me and says, John, never let me sing this one. Uh. So, so I saw this thing into his psyche that was like, I'm getting away with something my big brother would never let me do. And right. I think that the truth... Of the beauty of their relationship is, to me, it's only my opinion, of course, is that Paul had this astounding respect yes. for what John Lennon thought. And, and deference in a certain... Yeah, and, and both did. Both did, yeah. but there was always well, the big I heard, brother. I heard also that Tom Petty said on his radio Wait, show... Wait, get closer. Tom Petty said on his radio show that uh, George came over to his house with a bunch of ukuleles. And said, we're going to start this band. And that's how the Traveling Wilburys that's started. I had no idea. Yeah, because yeah, uh, uh, Tom Petty said, George came, and he said, come to my car. And he lifted up the, tr- the trunk of his car, and he had all these ukuleles. And so George said, uh, I got Bob and Roy, and we're going we're gonna to just jam on these ukuleles. And that's how that band started, apparently. And... His, and his son Danny still plays the ukulele all the time. Oh, yeah. They, oh, they love the yeah. ukulele. George liked yeah, Froman. You know, he loved those great old ukulele guys. Man. Right. You know, and... Uh, it's like kind of a skiffle thing almost, Yeah, well, right? that too, I mean, yeah. Kind yeah. Of, but the, the instrument yeah. kind of comes out of that, like, you know, the, the reason, rock and roll, you know? The reason those English bands got, were so interesting was because of all of that BBC stuff. They had to listen to all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And the pub music coming into effect, too. You know, that's what makes the Irish rock and roll so soulful. That it's all pub rock, right? Uh, and and also that whole that's where Paul whole, Paul's whole vaudeville comes in, and you know, and, uh-huh. and, and, Jeff and, and Lynn. That's the other Jeff guy. Lynn. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah. But John Lennon, on the other hand, you know, a Lewis Carroll freak and a a reader. Yeah, you know, a a, a, a humorist. You read his books, right? Yes, they're just his play on words uh, was a constant thing, a different kind of mind, artistic mind. Yeah, you know, uh, truly amazing. Anyway, well, well, so so you're you're working with Laura Nero. Um, yeah, so then Laura came up next. Yeah, mm-hmm. after I were well, well, after I did a TV show with John Sebastian, you know, and then and then Felix Cavallari was on it, 
and NRBQ was there as the band, and I was kind of in with John and Felix, and then so we started cool. work. We started working together, and uh, and uh, of course John and Felix both knew Laura. Felix had produced Christmas in the Beads of Sweat. Ah, right. And 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 she he said Laura for Laura to come and see me. I was playing with Benny King again at the Lone Star, and there she was with Doc Pomus sitting there. Doc nice. is in the chair, you know, and uh-huh. he said every Benny King show, and, and Laura was right next to him and in, a, in, like a, in, in her Unabomber. <laughs> Bob Dylan is a Unabomber look with a sunglasses and a, and a gray sweatshirt. Hoodie, yeah. <laughs> hoodie, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and she um, called me then after that and had the sexy voice on the phone. Jimmy? Hi, it's Laura. Uh, and she was like, oh, my God. And then she just turns out to be the, uh, a John Coltrane-like figure. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not a normal person at all. That is, uh, that is uh, the only true genius I've ever worked with, you know. Unbelievable. And, uh, and, and you know, when I, w- <laughs> I went, so I go, I go to, before we even play a note of music, I got to go meet her in Connecticut at, at her place in Connecticut. And there's, there's a big giant house that has a studio in the basement, but she doesn't live in that. We have to walk up the hill to a little Japanese bungalow that's up on the top of the hill. Uh, and in it, I open it, and in it is her dog, Emmy, in the corner. And she has a Japanese mat that she sleeps on. And there's like one chair, and that's for me, the one chair. Uh, Who is this? Laura Nero. Oh. So she, so she says hi, and she comes up, and she hands me a paper plate, and the paper plate has written from the inside of the very, you know, min side of the, spiraling out from the inside, are her ideas, her new musical ideas, and I'm looking, I'm going, oh, this is like the Ornette Coleman harmonic method, uh-huh. you know, somebody that's got this symbolism and shit. So I'm sitting there, she's talking to me, and I'm. She's got me reading the plate like this. So I said, yeah. okay, she wins already. Because uh-huh. here nuts. I am. She here sounds I am. nuts. She's, well, it's, right. she's brilliantly brilliant. Uh, and it's just, so she's gets, got my attention, right? Right. Okay, and yeah. I'm reading this, and, uh, and it's just her ideas were like about harmony, uh, equal, uh, equal amounts of men and women in the ba- male and females in the band, and... Uh, and harmony, always about about harmony singing, you know, uh, all this other vibe, vibey shit that's going on, man, you know. And uh, and I put it down. I go, well, well, maybe we should get together and play. Mm-hmm. So we started getting together to play, and uh, that was simple that part. And uh, yeah. you know, learned a lot from her. Uh, a lot of a lot about uh, you learned to read upside down. I learned that like, shit, man. I don't yeah. get it dizzy, no vertigo, nothing. Yeah, yeah. I was cured instantly. Yeah, <laughs> it was like you know, I don't know. But Being a guy from New Jersey. I hey, was, you know, she had once famously said to my my good friend Will Lee, bass player Will Lee. Oh yeah, we're working on a record with her, and he and she stopped the take and took him outside and and showed him a wicker chair and said, uh, "I the bass should sound like this." Yeah. <laughs> And he said, the fucked up thing is I knew exactly what she was saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember I was in the studio with Joe Strummer, and he told uh, the bass player that was working on his solo record, make it sound like grapes. You know, well, so, yeah. You know, that's is crazy. that true? Is that absolutely true? Yeah, it's true. You know it's that true. Joe Strummer, um, you probably know that he, he would... He would he would sub for Shane McGowan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw those shows. Uh, I mean... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
There was a whole tour where Shane didn't show up, and they decided, well, Joe says he'll sub. And I saw them in L.A. at the Pantages Theater. What Was it Pope's at that point? Uh, I don't Not think so. Not even nothing? No. no. It wasn't Pope's and no. it wasn't Pope's. No, it Some was. Some other, just his yeah, solo thing. But I tell you, it was the hottest ticket in town. It was I can the, imagine how good it was. I can't imagine how good yeah. it was. Oh, it yeah. was fabulous. It was yeah. Fabulous I th- always thought there was something very similar in that, that style of singing. So, yeah. So where we got off to Joe Strummer, when you mentioned Joe Strummer, I have to say that is one soulful oh, cat, yeah. man. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we can't classify that music as anything but that. Right. Punk, right. The word, the punk, it's undeserving of the word punk. You sure, know. it's way And it's also that, right. even more, new wave is a worse term right, to use, right. and it's rock and roll. Yeah, it's <laughs> just rock and roll. Yeah. 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 And, and well, of when, course, he saw, it, when he told Lonnie, he said, Lonnie, make it sound like grapes. Grapes. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, Bob, you know, <laughs> Phil Lesh is into colors like that. Yeah. He'll tell the musicians, oh, a little more green here. You know, I mean, it's a real thing. It's sure. A, it's a, it's a sure. real thing. Grapes, though, I... Is that wine or (laughs) whatever that makes you think? Wicker chair. I I wasn't the bass player. I wasn't Lonnie. I wasn't Lonnie. I was in. Well, being a bass player, do you understand that? Well, you know, maybe it's it's all context. Like like the uh, the the presidents, uh, the Ivy League presidents, were telling us the other day about uh, Jew killing. It's all about of context, you know. So. So, uh, oh, yeah, that, wasn't that brilliant? Yeah, yeah, that was great. Anyway, we, we try to stay out of politics, so we're well, just going to glance right over that. They're afraid to fire her, that's all. I know, you I know. know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Moving on. So uh, Grapes, I know why. Uh-huh. Just they're big okay. and fat and round. And round. And yeah, they yeah. want that sound. Round and that juicy. Sound. Round, yeah, yeah. juicy sound. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's a really compact yeah, way of saying all that shit. drink later, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, you no, could no, find them. Something, a note yeah. fat enough that you could squeeze something exactly. out of it later, right? So right, Laura, right. Nero, Laura Nero goes by, and we do that live at the bottom line. We did a nice record, you know. So we cool, did a lot man. of good things there. And then, then I'm back to, uh, I have a, a band. Uh, I'm moving out to, I'm out in Sausalito. Living with Clarence Clemens, we have a, a band out there. I had worked with Max Weinberg post Tunnel of Love when the when when the band was fired. Uh-huh. So I had like a jump blues band with Max. Okay. You know? And and a guy named Joe DeLee, a great boogie woogie piano player. Mm-hmm. It was called Killer Joe, and we even made a record. And then we kind of went our own ways. And I, th- I had, you know, was still doing a lot of MD work. People would call me. Now, you, you had know. already worked with, uh, with Al Cooper at this point? Yeah, Al has been so, co- a constant so for me. So you spent like 15 years working with Al Cooper, right? I've been with Al Cooper since. Still, uh, okay. Uh, still. Yeah, so, I, you know, I work with Al Cooper. We're best friends, you know. I mean, that's. It's so so cool, we, we've been working together forever. And he's always a constant through all that. Everything I do, I, we involve each other in recording projects and everything else. Now, he must have been a, kind of a big brother to you. Well, huh? yeah, you know, I was the kid looking over the fence that couldn't get in the goddamn game. You know, they're 11, 10 years older than me, these uh-huh. guys, you know. And I'm 13, and I'm going to the Fillmore, and, you know, I'm seeing these guys, you know. And, and it's like now I, you know, people, I mean, it's a corny thing, but people come out of your record collection sometimes it's like what the fuck and then most of the time they're just regular people you know and then there's chuck berry you know but yeah. <laughs> that's just <laughs> there's fucked up people like that who you forgive every day for their songs man right but anyway so al was always there and sebastian still we still work together and um and because uh, we had a jug band together you know with, with fritz richmond uh, from the Questkin band with with John Sebastian, with John Sebastian, uh-huh. Fritz Richmond, and and myself, and 
uh, James Wormworth and uh, Paul Rochelle and Annie Rains, Jeff Moldar, all these people in and nice. out of this band, you know. And, and before there was a term, Americana, blah, mm. blah, blah, what we live in now, we were uh, we were failing all over the country, yeah, <laughs> because nobody knew what this was. Putting clubs out of business, uh, no, coast nobody to coast. knew. No, sure. Nobody knew what it was, man. We'd be lucky if we got on a bluegrass festival because they knew what jug band music was, right? You know, they knew. They, they knew. Anyway, so um, then Laura comes by, and I'm, I'm living. I go and working with Clarence, and I get a call from Max around sometime in late '92. Oh, I got us! I got us an audition, man. We got a, but I don't have a band for us, so you got to get the guys together. Call the guys, and we will get together to get this audition for this TV show. You know, so what are we gonna do? We have an audition, so we just said, let's just play like, let's just play what we were doing in Killer Joe. You know, Amos Milburn stuff, some Jump Blues, mm-hmm. some Second Line stuff, some. You know, Smiley Lewis shit, some right. stuff from down in all that New Orleans rock that nobody knows. Right. You know, all those Roombas. Sure. And that shit, you know, that really good stuff, really good early rock and roll. Yeah, because, you know, in New Orleans, like, we, we live and breathe that, but it's it's uh, it's very hermetically sealed down here. Yeah, Because yeah. I was listening to Smiley Lewis and, and these cats, man, and Ernie K. Doe. Right. You know, and uh, and I came down here in 73 the first time. Oh, okay. Or 74, rather. I'm th- I think Ivan reminds me. It was right when Cyril joined the ne- ne- the, the meters. Yeah, uh, wow. and I came down, and my girlfriend was going to Tulane over here. Oh, okay. Tulane University. You got deep roots in New Orleans. Yeah, huh? and I, so I came down here, and I lived at a the Della Post Hotel. Wow. It was a haunted hotel on Charter Street, that was now a, a W Motor Court, <laughs> and it's and it's all modern, but they still put it on that haunted tour. You know, the people yeah. they still come through. This is where. The Della Post Hotel once stood. <laughs> okay. And it was one of those, you know, 60 bucks a week kind of place. Sure, you know? sure, yeah. Uh, yeah it's yeah. 73. Right. You know? And uh, so I came down here then and got a taste of what was going on down here. Nice. Uh, and what the rock and roll, you know, Levon Helm agreed with me that he thought the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should either be here or in Memphis, but yeah. not in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He would say New Orleans or Memphis. Right, you know that's where rock and roll comes from. Well, Levon knew what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah, and so th- so then I get the TV. We 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 get the gig. We get the TV show. You know, by just now, who auditions you? Who's 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 Conan, making the okay? This big giant guy, you know, Conan, and he's a big rockabilly fan. He's a yeah, he's a yeah, big he's a yeah. musician himself. Yes, uh, and and likes that the a quirkier kind of rock and roll. Uh huh. You know, rockabilly and you know just c- crazy stuff like yeah. that, man. And uh, and he loves Ronnie Hawkins, like you okay, know? that's like really some other form of rockabilly. Right, it's the band, you know, basically, and, and Ronnie Hawkins. Right. So so uh, it's him. It's it's Jim Pitt who was our music supervisor. Uh, you know, that talent coordinator mm-hmm. that got all the bands, the hip kid that was going to get all these great bands and did on the show, and uh, and Jeff Ross. Now Jeff Ross. The producer, the executive producer, one of, with Lauren Michaels at the time, was uh, <laughs> used to be no relation, but Diana Ross's road manager. Okay. Now, two of the guys, two of the guys, besides having Max as sort of everybody knows who he is, but Labamba and Pender, our trumpet player and bone player, they were in that Diana Ross band when she toured, and Jeff was the road manager. So he walked in not knowing those guys were going to be there. Uh huh. And he goes, La Bamba, Pember, Pender. And I look at Max and I said, 
we got we this. got the gig <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I knew that it wasn't just about music. Sure. Look, you know, it's about the hang. Poor about John Lurie had this had this downtown fucking really hip, over the top downtown John Lurie lounge lizards. You know. Uh huh. And too cool for the room. Yeah. You know. I'm dwarfed by that kind of talent, personally. When I see guys like John so Lurie. Conan, he's very though, talented. Con- he's a great painter, too. Yeah. Conan's a good guy. Oh, though. he's a good guy. He's, I a, remember he's though, a brilliant guy, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember uh, I was working at Sunset Gower Studios in L.A. in the early 80s, and I was working on a TV show, uh, HBO cable show, a comedy show, and they had hired, for the new season, they had hired, they brought in all these... Harvard Lampoon writers yeah. to come in and write jokes and write sketches for our show. And I'd been on the show for a couple of years, so and on Mon- and so on Monday morning we'd have production meetings, like they do, you know, like they do. Yeah. And the producers introduced these three new writers, and one of them was Conan O'Brien. Yep. And he comes in on that first Monday morning. And he pitches all these sketches and jokes, and he doesn't get one fucking laugh. <laughs> he does not get one fucking Ain't laugh. Ain't that the way not, you come up? Yeah, not one chuckle. Not nothing. <laughs> not, not a smirk. Yeah, and he lasted about half the season. And then, you know, I was like, well, you know, I'll never see that guy again. But then, and then like, you know, a few years later, he's writing for SNL. And then Lauren Michaels gives him the uh, his own show, well, which, 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 which yeah, yeah. you know, which just it just goes to show you that nobody comes out of nowhere, right? You know, there's a lot of time that goes down between all those failures and getting yeah. your next shot if you're lucky enough to, yeah, uh, to 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 get better, you know, and to get to learn how to do the shit because being in school and being the king of the Harvard Lampoon doesn't necessarily get you to a normal audience, you know. So, you know, you have to. And he had a horrible childhood. His dad uh, was the biggest asshole. Nah, unfortunately, they're really, really smart doctors, both parents. So. Oh really? So no. yeah, that you know, he 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 could have been a disappointment, but he wasn't. <laughs> in a Jewish <laughs> no, family, in a Jewish family, it wouldn't have mattered because you know, you know the old you know, the, <laughs> you know the old joke about the, the the Jewish grandmothers are sitting on the park bench, the two of them. And one, the one woman's, one of her sons is president of the United States, and one is a doctor. Uh-huh. And she's talking to her friend and says, "You know, my son, he's, uh, you know, he's he's having a, a party, the uh, next week, a big affair. Everybody's coming. All the muckamucks are coming. You know, oh, can I come? Well, yeah, I, I can see if you can come. I can, you know. Oh, she says, oh, just think, just think. Uh, <laughs> she said, is it?" Uh, is, is it the doctor who's having it? No, the other one. <laughs> you see? Yes. You yes. get it? I get it. I get That's it. That's what it is. He had Christian, uh, you know, Protestant doctor parents, not like Jewish doctor parents. Right. But right, he also right. said that they were terrified to come home and watch TV after school because uh, the dad would come home and feel the back of the TV and it was warm. He knew the kids were watching TV, uh, and that wasn't allowed after school. Oh, jeez. Oh. Yeah. When is America going to understand that everything he says is about his childhood? <laughs> <laughs> no, my, I love... 
My parents love TV. The TV was our babysitter. Both my parents work. No shit. Oh man, you, so that's why we. That's why we're the TV. That's why we know so much about TV. Man. If the TV wasn't warm, they'd be pissed off because they yeah. know you were up to something that yeah. uh, they didn't. They they couldn't yeah, control. Right, 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 right. They're really, really. I remember the warm putting your hand behind the TV. Get outside and play. I do remember that. Uh, I didn't want to get shot. Anyway, so uh, my brilliant friend Conan O'Brien ended up uh, ended up uh, being a good friend and uh, a good rockabilly guitar player. So you all get the gig. And yeah. You wind up. So, it winds up being like a whole career. A well, you know, it's a, there's there's great things about it that are that are unbelievable. The chance you get to meet a lot of people and and to play with a lot of musicians and 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 do a lot of things and. And uh, I, while I was still in New York to then, it, I could still do a lot of work. I had like a residency at one club every week. And, uh, and also I, had a, I was sort of the house band of Chicago Blues. So if Otis Rush was coming to town or, you know, John, when, when Johnny Johnson would come to town or Hubert Sumlin, I was always the, the band leaders for, for all those guys and, uh, and learned a lot about my true passion about the blues from from those guys firsthand. And Johnny Johnson, just yeah. for those that don't yeah. recognize, uh, uh, Chuck Berry's piano player, uh, played on all those hit records. Uh, you you did a lot of work with Johnny Johnson. Yeah, and well, Keith had, had brought him back. Hail, you know hail, the story, and, and that right, story right. is true when Stu died. And Keith said, what are we going to do? And he said, go find Johnny Johnson. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a... You know, a Ralph Macho movie or something. Uh, let's go find Johnny Johnson. But it's not. It was true. They found him driving a bus in St. Louis. You know, Keith brought him out. Then after the movie came out, I knew the people at the agency that were booking me. said, yeah, we want you to get together with Johnny. And, and I got uh, Mike Merritt and James Wormworth. Mike Merritt, the bass player, I got both of those guys from Johnny Copeland's band. Okay. We knew each other, and they had played with Johnny. And Mike had called me and said, uh, "Listen, come and play with Johnny with us." You know, like we're playing with him with Jimmy Dawkins and with Johnny Copeland, but now he wants to do something, so we need you to come and play guitar. So the same booking agency was booking Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and and Johnny Johnson and Little Richard and Jerry Lee at the same time. You know, nice. and so we did a lot of gigs. With those guys, what so was that th tour that called? would and I would do the oh man that that that, that was fun. You Europe only Europe only Europe. What year was this? Only Europe. That's in that's in like the that's right before. Let me see, right before the Conan gig probably. So that's ninety ninety one. Oh okay. yeah yeah, and that's it's you know so I had tour. been doing that in that interim, <laughs> in that interim between you know I'd stayed and started doing these blues gigs and all, and then I continued while I had the Conan show. I could still do that. You know, and still go on weekends and, and keep playing. So that goes on, and it's 26 years before you know it. I even move out to West Coast with them and, and do all kinds of things. And it, it goes by quick, man, you know? Sure, sure. Now, something I, I heard you talk about t today, I was, you know, uh, watching all these interviews with you. And, uh, like, you're, you're playing with all these guys that had these classic recordings. You were talking about, like, actually learning the record, like, as opposed to, uh, yeah, I know the chords in this song. Uh, you know, if you just think you're going to play the chords to the song, that's, that's not really going to be the well, song. That's well, like the I had, bar band version. I always had these discussions with Paul Schaefer, who was a real student. Mm-hmm of uh, music, but of records. Right. We were students of records. Man, 
those 45s, and, and so were the Stones, and so were the Beatles, by the way. Everybody, right. everybody, the record was the, that was the thing, man. That was the whole, that was our Bible, you know. So um, the problem, what happened with these great singers I was uh, speaking about, like Dion and like Benny King, is that after post-Beatlemania, and they were designated to the oldies bench, all these people, they, you know, they got pickup bands that didn't care or didn't learn, and we have students of that, and Steve Van Zandt was big on this, too, and Bruce would come around, even if I was playing with Dion, and say, hey, man, tell the drummer, the, uh, the cymbal, you go up on the cymbal during a sax solo, man, right, you gotta right. be on the ride cymbal. Right. Because that's my favorite part of the record, uh-huh. man, and I want to hear it, you know, <laughs> and that's how we are, you know. Right. So there's a whole, you know, like a mafia of musicians of every culture that that respect the records, you know. And if you're backing up an artist, if I'm backing up Nick Lowe, say, even at the Levon's Barn, uh-huh. I'm making sure we do it right, you know. And you're backing up anybody, do it right. And then at least know it. And then if they say... Well, I'll change it. Let's do it different. You know. At least you know what the what the what what the original imprint was. Well, no, we were doing and when we did that big show in Philly and had Benny King once, and I had this great bass player who played upright too. I said, "Oh man, you got to play the upright on Stand by Me." You know, boom, 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 right. boom, boom, the upright. So we come out and we rehearse, and Benny says. Why is he playing the old bass? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Don't you, I said, "Cool, just dig it, man." And he dig the end. He goes, "Oh man, I never was feel so back in the record in my life." Yeah, you know. Yeah, because because yeah, like like those Chuck Berry records. Like a lot of people, they go to play and they uh, the bass player will yeah. play like eighth notes or they'll start walking. It's like a lot of that stuff is is in two. It's a two. Well, it's Willie Dixon, yeah, and he doesn't even hear himself. Yeah. <laughs> so it's boom. Yeah, and yeah. and and if you play it, if you don't play it like that, it's like it sounds fine, but it doesn't really sound like the thing. You know, Chuck was hell on bass players, yeah, and and guitar players, and everybody, except that he knew what he wanted, uh, but he he was so fucked by the system anyway. You know, really, yeah, let's yeah, face yeah. it. So so he was bitter. He was bitter about everybody. Sure. You know, he, he he there was no prejudice there. He didn't like anybody. So right. you know, you don't take it. Don't take. I don't like think that. you're so important. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like anybody. Either. See, so you're not prejudiced either. You hate everybody. I that's hate right. everybody. that's an equal thing, man. That's right. That's I right. Hate that's right. And you're entitled to that too, by the way. But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. even Chuck. But Chuck, when we would try to do the Chuck thing, he was so, you know, he was so keyed into be wanting to yell at everybody yeah. that even when it was right happening the right way. You know, except but isn't one that why Keith Richards said, uh, "If yeah. you're gonna make this documentary, you're gonna do it with a real band because your bands always suck." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he busted Keith yeah. for fucking with him. You know. Well, yeah. and and Chuck, he he cannot in in that movie. He still tries to self sabotage. Of course, famously, they're filming the thing after all these rehearsals. He turns to Keith in the middle. He goes, "Let's go to a uh, let's do a key change." And Keith just looks at him, and starts shaking his head no, and walks away. It's like <laughs> and no. That's what Keith not, says. You know, two weeks of rehearsal, and it comes down to wing it. Yeah, uh, no. Watch it. my leg. We used to say uh, uh, yeah. it comes down to watch my leg, <laughs> and he get his money and stick it in his boot before he hit the stage yeah. and it was 10 grand in 1980s you know right he was getting right anyway i love him i don't care how he you know it's like 
One time I opened the door, the elevator door for, for Don Rickles, I stepped back out of the way. And I had, a, I had a really long black beard then, a black hat on, and a long black coat. And I opened, the, I let him in the elevator first, and he said, thank you, Rabbi. Yeah. And I said, you know what? You know what? That's the fucking greatest thing that ever. Nothing that great can ever happen to me than to be actually called out by Don Rickles. Roasted well, by Rickles. Well, yeah. That's nice. the greatest. And Mike ever. Merritt, the bass player mm -hmm. on Conan, it was our African-American in our band, the only one we had. And he was sitting in the back by the drums, you know, back like behind me. So he's way in the back. Mm -hmm. And Rickles, and he couldn't get away with this now. He just goes, oh, hey, back there in the back. I see they got you in the back, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, and that was... 1993, 94. Right, and, you know, and, and the bass player laughed. We didn't get any letters, yeah, yeah, yeah. by the way. Yes. There was no internet to say, did you see what happened? Well, and then it, show it over and over and, and over again. Everybody knew Rickles was, uh, it's just, these are jokes. People. You know, I mean, yeah, comedy yeah. has suffered through, through uh, this. Well, if you ever saw Rickles live, you know, after 10 minutes into the show, he'd, he'd do his routine saying, I'm a nice guy. Yeah. That was his song. I'm yeah. a nice guy. Yeah. And then he'd end that song and then rip into everyone in the audience and stuff like that. A no genius. Matter. Yeah, he was a genius, you know? And, uh, it's, and a great it's actor, bullshit too. bullshit that you can't get away with that stuff yeah. today. I know. It's bullshit. So Conan ends. Right. You know, COVID comes. You know, I'm working. I'm in L.A. I'm working, I'm working on records, doing new stuff, you know, saying I'm going to go out and play now. I got signed to an agency. I'm ready to go. It's three years I'm sitting there doing nothing. And in it, Rick Reed says to me, hey, why don't you come over to Fido's and play? So I do that. And uh, it turns out to be playing in Canned Heat. We made a brand new record. Final vinyl. We know it's the last record ever going to have the Can Heat name mm -hmm. on it. Fido Delapar is a joy to play with. It reminds me of playing with Levon. Yeah. When I played with Levon, I said, "Man, you, the drummer is a, a very important key element in these feels." You know. Yeah. I mean, it is the one thing that can't be replaced. John Bonham proves that. Right. Okay. And there. You have these two guys I get to play with, Levon and, and him, and Bernard Purdy, and a lot of other greats in my life, you know, Earl Palmer and people like that. And you're like, yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, Kelt, Jim Keltner, you know. And levels to this game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. E exactly, man. Yeah. And, and so you got to be grateful and uh, still meeting people along the way. When, when, when Ziggy Modeless dropped into the session today, you know, I'm like, I'm at, now I'm in New Orleans for real. Because right. I knew Ivan was there, but I hang with Ivan a lot in New York. That's where we met when he uh, was with Keith, you know. Uh -huh. So, so, but when Ziggy walks into your session, you're like, okay. And he's shaking his head, yeah, digging it, you know. Uh, you know, you feel like you're here. You're here and you're, you know. That studio, I can't tell you enough about that place. Esplanade Studio. Esplanade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't say enough about how great Misha is. And Misha Kosh Kosh Mom, yeah, my yeah, goodness, yeah. man. It's so well-equipped. The greatest sounding place. And I think it's an old Catholic church, so I'm getting back at him. Uh, I'm not sure it's Catholic. It might be Episcopal. but uh, Well, at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're kind of elaborate. That's why I thought, you know. Yeah, no, it's that's an amazing room. Yeah, man. they spent too much on that organ, though, for it to be Kaplan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's an amazing board, too. And, oh, man. Uh, you know, at one time, I'm not sure if it's the same board. One time, Misha had the uh, the board from, from Donald Fagan's Nightfly yeah. uh, uh, record. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Nightfly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Is that the same place, the Daniel Enwall crowd? Lenoir, yes, he did. Uh, yes, he oh, did. Oh, he did. Yeah. It wasn't his studio, though. The, his uh, studio was down at the, 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 the Jermaine Wells uh, 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 down in the corner. Worst but band I've ever heard, Daniel uh, Enwall. He's not a fan of Daniel I saw uh, the same set. I thought it was brilliant. But, yeah. uh, you know, again. What are you into? I, I'm not. I'm into quiet. Ah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Music doesn't do it for me anymore, dude. <laughs> I can't stand it. Uh, well, I can understand much, that. You I know, can understand that. Doesn't do it for me anymore. As the bitter wheel of time yeah. comes around. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're you're uh, you're still very active playing uh, with Can Heat. Have a, can a record, heat, record I, in the can. Yeah, uh, I'm working with Sebastian still. Um, I have my own record in the can. Uh, my nice. God, there's so much going. on. I just finished this record with Phil Colombato, the Louisiana Love Act record, and. And uh, so, yeah, more things are happening now. And uh, I'm, I'm sure there's other things I forget about. But I do know all along the way I've gotten to meet a lot of great people uh, and play with more than my share of my heroes, you know. And uh, uh, there's nobody left. So uh, <laughs> maybe dead. Neil Young. I haven't played with Neil Young. Uh, I'd love to right. play with Neil Young. That's it. Neil, Neil's still very strong. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Until Daryl Hannah gets a hold of him <laughs> and rips him off for everything he's worth. <laughs> you know, cause she hasn't done a film in 20 years. <sighs> anyway, this show reminds me about that. About uh, Thank you so much. For no, that's okay. On. I'm just, I'm yeah, getting this. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, getting yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah, see yeah. what we're doing here. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, I knew Gilbert Gottfried. So oh, uh, okay. Nice. I know, I know a lot that's of comedians. That's a compliment. I know yeah, a lot of, yeah. com- I know a lot a of comedians. Yeah. 30 years of, uh, yeah. 30 years of at least, plus my brother Floyd before that, com- yeah. of growing up, learn, having to be forced to learn Mark's brother routines. Oh. Man, you were in the sweet spot. You were yeah. right there. It was like, Listen, Holy I moly. want this scene from the coconuts tonight, cold. <laughs> <laughs> okay. or, you, or you could be back on the roof with Dad. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> right. There was a lot of passive-aggressive love yeah. going on. Well, you have something else, Manny, you were trying I to... I just wanted to say this mm-hmm. show, uh, this whole show tonight uh, reminded me of like that first time your mom catches you shooting heroin in your cock. Yeah, I remember is, yeah. that. Yeah, 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 this is what it reminds me. Okay, of. I can been, I've been there. Is yeah, this after having been uh, caught shooting it elsewhere? Well, uh, or is this like just no, a, this is the now first this, time. Is this, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> oh! I thought maybe this is yeah. this is the last straw. No, yeah. <laughs> the first straw. Look, yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. You, can, uh, you know, there's a learning curve on this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like there, there are levels to that game too. There's very ma- many levels to the statement. Right. Yeah, I know. And you can this keep show it reminding me of it. Yeah. Right. I, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Well, uh, Jimmy, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And as always, in the Trouble Nation on the Trouble Men podcast, we like to say trouble never ends. But Jimmy, the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. Hey, you fat man. Oh
Nice catch, Worm.